0: Blah, blah. Blah, boy.
1: Yo,
2: what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the Keeper of the Peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross and Randy Jowers, boys. Tonight is episode 17 titled "Magic City Marlins, baby." It's titled this because we're going to jump into the start of the MLB season, and we're going to take a look at the restart of the NBA season. We're also going to hit Lou Williams' uh, trip to Magic City, and we're going to break down some of the COVID issues going on with Major League Baseball. But before we dive into that. Let's talk about the weekend. Jim, talk
1: to me. How was the weekend, man? Man, it was phenomenal. You know, in regards to sports, I got to go watch a bunch of college baseball players from all over the South play against each other in, uh, at B&A Park in New Albany. So that was exciting. I got to go watch our man, Mike Reels, wrestle down uh, with Redeem Wrestling way down in the sticks. But, man, they actually had a hell of a crowd there. Um, and then Friday and Sunday, watched the Rockets and watched some baseball on TV in between. So, got to do a lot of fun things and took my son with me for the whole ride. Nice, nice. Randy, what about you, man? How was the weekend?
0: The weekend was great. The best part – well, first of all, the NBA being back, the Grizzlies being back, even though it's been a rough start. Love watching them boys roll. My wife was out of town this weekend, so it was just me, my five-year-old, and my 18-month-old. So, we just – you know, we kicked it with some good friends on Saturday – ate some good food Sunday. We just chilled, waited for mama to come home, hugged her neck and told her we missed her. But a hell of a weekend though, boys.
2: Hey, that's good to hear. Um, for me, I just kind of hung out. I I told you guys a few weeks ago that I was saving up and investing in that, that quality time so that I could do some withdrawals. And I, I think I took a good withdrawal this weekend. I watched a lot of sports, a lot of baseball, had a chance to watch the Grizz a few times and, you know, I had a good time. Um, very relaxing. Went to bed at, at a decent hour. It's nice not having to stay up really late to watch my teams play. So uh, overall, you know, not too bad. But enough of the weekend. Let's, let's jump into this. Uh, leading off tonight, we got MLB. So Major League Baseball is back. Um, before we jump into the issues at hand, let's talk about the first eight to 10 games. We're looking at most of the teams are right in that little area of eight to 10 games. Jim, what are your first impressions of, of that first week of play?
1: I mean, I'm pretty impressed. Baseball has been what it's always been out the gate. It's been very fun. It's been very interesting. Obviously, like you said, we have the issues, but aside from that, I've watched some really good games yeah there's been some injuries and that's concerning but as far as quality baseball I think we've gotten it and got to see a lot of good players hit a lot of home runs which is my favorite part.
2: Yeah I mean it's it's interesting I know that we've talked about the sound and what we hear and I, I'll i be honest I like the crowd noise but I, I'm I can't say that I dislike the silence and being able to hear the sounds of the game, the crack of the bat and just hearing guys talk and, you know, even the interactions that players have with each other when they're on base or on the, on the field or, you know, umpires talking to catchers, catchers talking to hitters. Like it's, it's pretty neat. Um, you know, so Randy, what are your first impressions of those, those first few games?
0: So stoked that baseball's back. Love it being on there, even though we haven't gotten to see our team play much. Uh, but I hate it. I hate that there's not fans in the stands. I hate – I mean, I look at it like this. When they're coming up bottom of the ninth, there's a pitcher. It's You know, we got a pitch and change, big hit coming up, big stick coming up. Are we going to have the same adrenaline rush, the same feeling? And are the players going to have that same feeling? And, you know, obviously I did not play at the level you did, DB, but I know I've you know, been to a whole lot of games, and the atmosphere does matter especially when you get down to those pressure situations and are we going to get to see that that's a part of the game in my opinion so are we going to get to see that as the season progresses and I I don't think we are
2: yeah it's we're we're a ways away from the emotional side and the feeling part of what you get when there are fans in the stands I don't necessarily think the cardboard cutouts are going to stand up and cheer and, and jump around and dance but I mean it's Visually, it's more appealing than empty seats, I guess. I will say, you know, just to to pull something from what the NBA is doing, I think they've got the right idea with, you know, partnering with Ultra and giving real fans those digital seats on the court. That's pretty neat. Um, I will say the downside to to that is that it's on a delay, obviously, so the fans are reacting not necessarily to what is going on at, on the court at that time. So. Uh, but it's it's a step in the right direction. But yeah, not having fans is definitely a, a, t- a tough thing to, to deal with as a player. But I think at the end of the day, you got to do the job anyways, whether the fans are rooting you on or not, just go in, do your job. And I think after a while, the, the players sort of get used to it. And it actually might be refreshing not to have anybody in the stands if you're at an away ballpark because I know like if you go to Philly it's gonna be ruthless. If you go to Chicago, it's gonna be ruthless. There are places where guys just notoriously don't want to be at. So not having fans, it might, you know, from their perspective might be pretty cool. But looking at the current standings, Randy, uh man, it's it's hard to say. I, I, I Feel like we're all over the place with our projections how how do you think this is going to end is the trend that we're seeing after the first eight to ten games is that how we're going to finish or are we going to see a lot of shakeups between now and, and those that last 60th game
0: so i think because this is such a shortened season that what you're seeing in this uh you know what we've seen so far is like it's a big part of it right it's we're only you know we're eight games in but there's only 60 so I think you'll see some shake-up, but the guys that have jumped out because of the big leads, like the Yankees and Twins, I mean, we're talking already being up two, three games. I mean, that's a lot in a 60-game season. So, you know, I know it's been all over the map, but yeah, I think that even the small sample size we have, we're going to see more of the same from these guys.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, when you look at the gamut, like when you look at the leagues as a whole and you don't break them down by division, I mean... You're looking at seven and one being the best record and three and seven um, or two and seven being the worst record. So you can't afford to give up a lot early. And it'll be interesting to see how some of these teams try to bounce back. Because, I mean, teams like the Angels and the Red Sox that are got the guys, they're just not playing well. How long can they afford not to play well? So Jim I'll ask you the standing wise who who's in trouble right now
1: well unfortunately my uh, my sleeper pick as we know was the angels and they just haven't been impressive and then trouts already banged up so the good the good news is as we discussed before this show is that the West looks pretty jacked up altogether so um, they're not in any big hole but they definitely look concerning and then I mean for our Cardinals when they do get to play the Cubs look really good that's very problematic yeah it
2: it's interesting I think I mentioned the Rockies starting well um, in our prediction episode but yeah like the reds the team that you know were the hot pick to come out of it i mean they're four and five right now 3 games back from the cubs who were seven and two like what what happens in the next 10 days if if they don't gain any ground like they're almost halfway through the season and they're they're essentially out of it so teams are going to i think start working this into two week, like mini seasons, like we got to win the next two weeks. We got to win the next two weeks and then just keep going until hopefully you clawed your way back and you got a chance. But I I'm, I'm looking at a few surprises here and
1: what, what are the surprises that stick out to you, Jim? Well, you mentioned the first one, the Rockies, right? I mean, They have a chance to fall off. But like you said, in a shortened season, I mean, 6-2 and out the gate in a 60-game season is huge. You want to start hot on this. And so they're obviously a big surprise. I don't believe the Braves are surprised. We knew they'd be good. I didn't think they'd be this good out the gate. We obviously knew the Yankees, the Twins, the Orioles being solid. I mean, I thought they were going to be bottom of the barrel. And then on the flip side of the surprise, like as they had a slow start, how do you feel about the Rays? I didn't really – I don't know. I guess I just had this foregone conclusion. They were going to be balling from the jump.
2: So, if you've watched the Rays play, it it's really been an up and down. They're either – like they've the games they've won, they've looked unbelievable. Those four games, they looked on point and as good as they've been the six that they've lost probably two of them they should have won and then the the other four have been just kind of big innings here and there have really put them out of it so I, I would i don't fear the rays you know not making a playoff what i do fear is this the grind of them and the schedule that they're going to have to play to get there um they're a team that i would definitely say you need to look closely at and in, in that two week increment that I was talking about, they're one that has they, they, they have to win every two weeks. They have to win the majority of those games in those two weeks because I don't see the Yankees letting up, man. They are crushing the ball right now. The pitching's on point. They, they're doing what they need to do. Uh the twins sitting at seven and two. I think schedule wise, they're it's a very favorable schedule for them. And so I see them kind of just continuing to roll along the west is is it's a crapshoot. Um I'm a little disappointed in some of the teams not going after the Astros and being afraid of that eight game suspension, but um you know I, I guess the Astros can consider themselves lucky. So, but Randy, hey, what what surprises do you see so far?
0: So the surprise to me, even though the Rangers have not, they're only going to three games, but our old buddy, Lance Lynn, <laughs> this guy's got, he's 2-0, 12 shutout innings. He's only allowed three hits, got two of the three wins. So the shocker for me, and I love to see it, uh, you know, former Ole Miss alum, former Cardinal, former Redbird. Love to see it. Shout out 901, Lance Lynn. But the bad, the coronavirus. I mean, we've already seen it decimate. We thought it was, like, going to be isolated to the to the Marlins. You know, Derek Jeter came out and said they had a false sense of security uh, and they needed to just tighten up. You know, he said, my guys weren't out being reckless, but they were gathering together, uh, not wearing their masks. And, you know, we kind of thought, okay, this is isolated. A lot of teams that had some positive, but it was kind of like what they have ended up with 23 or something, over 20. Um, and then a few days later, obviously it, it hit home with the three of us with the Cardinals. And now they've had multiple players, multiple staff members. And then John Mazalak coming out and saying, you know, it's hard to see into the future when we're just trying to get through the day. We're trying to get through each day to get to the next one. So, I mean, that might've been doomsday, but I mean, he's right. And it became a reality that this is something that is bigger than just a couple guys testing positive. It's a reality that we may not get to see the finish of the baseball season.
1: Yeah, Randy, I I feel like an idiot because I texted y'all both and said, well, of course the worst team in baseball ruins it for us, right, with the Marlins, and then it's going to be our squad that follows suit, right, and and gets it next, and it's like, damn, I ate that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's tough because you want – to play and you want to see games and you, but you, you also feel some sympathy for the players because I think it was brought up in the, their union meeting with Manfred is that he is throwing them out there and not really caring about safety, which is crazy. Like those guys could easily all get together in my opinion and just say, you know what, this ain't worth it. And then, then what does baseball do not pay them? I think if they agree to it, then they're fine. They're like, I don't care. Don't pay me.
0: Well, one of the things, real quick on that, uh, is that Medford came out even in the last couple of days and said, you know, we are playing. You know, that we can do this. And then, of course, you know, the players are spoken out about that. John Lester was like, look, I don't know Rob's situation, but, I mean, we got to think about ourselves and our future and not just the money. And I mean, he's right. It's a tough spot because we all want to see normalcy, but we knew that with these guys traveling to all – even though they – Try to condense it into only traveling, you know, regionally. We knew that wasn't going to work because there's no – they got a protocol, but it's nothing like the NBA.
1: But yeah. did either of y'all expect what Cespedes did and just up and left and didn't tell nobody? I think
0: there's more to that story than we know right now. Well, what's – what?
1: I mean, this all goes, goes back
2: to it is the players are carrying all the risk. Manfred ain't carrying any risk he sits at home and watches his games and does what he does. And that's that the players are the ones who are having to travel. They're the ones who are having to get out. And I don't care how safe you want to try to be like, you can't ensure a hundred percent safety at all times. You just can't. And with suspidus, like it's aggravating to me that the first instinct wasn't the safety of this player. It's, where is he at? Oh, he's leaving us high and dry. What an asshole. Like I, if coronavirus wasn't the thing, then maybe you could think that way. But like, where is your initial reaction for the safety of the player? Like that to me as a person, that's disheartening. And i honestly, like I wanted to go into, if we were on track with predictions and I think it, to even talk about because we got to talk about first is is this season even gonna last are we gonna get an ending to this season or are we just blowing hot air right now talking about you know ifs and buts so jim you know you tell me is 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 there an end to this season or i'll say is there a positive
1: end to this season I don't believe there is. I just don't see logic, logically when I put the math together of the games that are being missed by, you know, three teams, and then four really when you include the games missed by Blue Jays. I mean, I don't see how you make them up. The whole idea was you were going to make up a lot of games in a short span and you're losing a lot of games right now. So, I just don't see how that happens. And we, we know this. All three of us have talked about it. This isn't over. And so, it's going to continue to be a trend. We don't hope that, but it's a reality.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, we're seeing it. We've had some canceled games, and my question is simply, are they making the games up? Like, how how is this going to work? Because I've seen zero contingency plans for canceled games. And with the 60-game season, it's pretty much like where we're at with NBA. Like, they had to decide how many games were appropriate to play and how to make what they decided they would play mean something. So if you're saying you're playing 60 games, how do you make those games that you're missing like up? Because they're going to mean something. And do you do it now or do you do double headers throughout the season and try to make them up when you see those teams again? Or do you just say, hey, screw it. If we need to play those games, if they matter at the end, we'll play those games. Randy, what do you think – how do you think they're going to handle this This cancellation of games?
0: You know, they're going to have to make it up, right? Because, I mean, what if it comes down – like, look, the Marlins, they'd be proponents. Hell, let's not finish it. Let's just go right into it. We're 2-1. Um, right. But, you know, I think that we should have known this all along. Buster only hit on it before it started. Um, that there was no chance it was going to finish – um, because there was not enough protocol, not only was there not enough protocol you 're not in a bubble and coming it 's weird though because coming from a sport that kind of does a bubble in spring training when they they all go to their respective parts of the country and you 're kind of isolated, I mean they would have to isolate the fans, obviously um, but I think baseball missed an opportunity here. They really could have been the ones let's let's you know what I know this isn't ideal, but let 's go down to let 's go to arizona let 's go to Florida, let those guys play out, then we can wait ten days. And then those two champions can play each other for the World Series, or something to that effect. I think we they really missed an opportunity because they were looking for that sense of normalcy. And and, and thumbs down from me on their reback, on their comeback plan.
2: So let me let me ask you this, Jim: Is do you think it's feasible for them to po- postpone what they're doing right now? Let's say it's ten days for everyone, and now say okay, we're gonna revisit this plan of bubble stuff whatever that is we're going to move to Arizona for these teams and we're going to move to Florida for these teams do you think that's something that they could do in the middle of the season or has that
1: ship already sailed I think that ship has already sailed I think the severity of the situation is there and I think these players if you make that kind of move I think you're gonna have a lot of guys opt out yeah and I think that's what they're trying to avoid because
2: The more opt-outs you get, the weaker the game is going to get. And you're already struggling to get fans in general to watch your product. And that's not just coming to the park because nobody can come to the park. We're talking now on TV and you're fighting against NBA right now who has it right. And you're soon to be fighting against college football, which like that's, that's another topic of discussion that we'll have to get into. I don't know about that, but like on a popularity standpoint, I think more people are going to be yearning to watch college football than they will be the 42nd game of the major league baseball season. So not to mention it, the NHL is fixing to jump all over this. Oh, uh, they, they already started and like they're right into like it's all like it's basically playoff format already which is great the uh, games are are meaningful and they mean something um so that that's kind of cool but you know looking outside of the coronavirus we do have teams that are playing you have some teams that are 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 playing well but we did have a a little a little retribution action from Joe Kelly on the Astros so you know Randy I'll I'll start with you does is there more to come and if so how is it going to be done now that these hefty suspensions have been put in place
0: I think it's going to take you know an old school pitcher uh, with that mentality I, I think there should be more to come for sure but by Major League Baseball, suspending Joe Kelly eight games, which was absolutely ridiculous, didn't even hit the guy. I can understand if we're out here putting these guys in danger by hitting them in the head or or high injuring them, but that, that's not what he's doing. He's saying, you guys were cheaters, and I'm letting you know about it. It's a little bit ironic coming from Joe Kelly. I get it. I mean, it's hypocritical. I understand. But uh, I love the way he did it. I loved him sticking the pouty lip out, and I would have taken the eight games And paid that fine and I would have just said hey I'm here so I don't get fined and I'm throwing at him every time I go out there and hit that mound.
2: So Jim let me throw a scenario at you so now we know what the penalty is eight games so what I really want to see to make this like right I think Clayton Kershaw has to be the one that does this and I think that if you're a starting pitcher and you get eight to 10 games, that's different than a first baseman or a relief pitcher getting eight to 10 games. Cause as a pitcher, you're throwing what every four games. Yeah. Right. So I'll ask you this. If anybody is going to get some, some payback, who who's it going to be?
1: I mean, yeah, obviously your first choice is the Dodgers and anybody from their pitching staff. But, you know, what about a team that's not really in it, that doesn't have anything to lose when they play them and says, you know what, I mean, especially because you're playing teams from your division in the West, they say, you know what, screw these guys, we're not winning games anyway, let's have some fun and just start throwing balls at them. Hey, uh, that's what she said. Would, would Would you blame another team? Jim. No, I mean, I, I think they're getting what's coming to them. I think in, the, in relation to the Joe Kelly thing, I think what makes people up in arms about it is the fact that they didn't get in trouble, really, for this. And then you got guys getting in trouble for having any kind of re- retaliation. And that just puts even more salt in the wound. So I don't think these guys are fixing this stop. And if you ask Joe Kelly, and they may have asked him, I just didn't see a clip. I bet if you ask him if he'd do it again, he'd say every time.
2: I think he would say, you know, I it's early and I lost command of my pitches and it was, you know, I I couldn't spit on my hands and, and, and get it, you know, grip on the baseball. So, like, it's pretty dicey out there all night, you know, so I, if I did it again, I wouldn't mean to do it again. Wink, wink is I, I think how that explanation would go, um, you know, to be honest i think i would encourage if if my players came to me and they were like hey i want to do this i want to go after these guys i mean at the rate that we're going are we going to make eight game are we gonna are are they even going to make an eight game suspension so Mm. i would say you know dude go for it do your thing and i wouldn't blame you either way i would preface it though by that money fine the team's not going to cover that for you so you can go ahead and take care of that
1: you, you said who's gonna do it i'll tell you who i want to do it i just wish that well the season was gonna play out and i wish that they would play the yankees and i want chapman to do it oh <laughs> yeah he would do it
2: that there's no way i want to be in the box for that but hey i, I like that pick i do Worse
0: than that, who wants to come out of the box to that once he throws it? Because you have to, right? You can't. I mean, you got to go. Look, Robin Vetera knew he was getting that work, and he still went out there. So, every time he gets hated on, I'm always like, hey, mad respect, old boy. He knew the outcome. He still went after it and did it. And that's what you got to do. If they throw at you, I don't care if I'm in the wrong. We still got to go now.
1: But you got a social distance fight, don't you know how it works? I mean, you gotta you gotta do something from six feet away.
0: You ever, you guys ever seen that like video that used to come out? There's two guys that are flipping each other off as they're walking across the street. You know, that's what they need to be doing. They need to be paper, rock, scissors, like one at the plate, one at the pitchers mound. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> the
2: The worst part is is if you get thrown at, and the pitcher misses, because then you got to stay <laughs> in the box and wait for it again, and let's say the pitch is shoulder level and you know that it was supposed to be head level like these guys are good and they're not going to miss two in a row (laughs) so you know I'm I'm very not optimistic about the season I see the I wouldn't say I see the writing on the wall but the there's got to be some more positive reports coming out. And right now every media person is almost in agreement that this, this ain't going to happen. So hopefully over the the next couple of weeks, we see it swing in the, in the right direction. We get the cards back on the diamond playing, uh, winning some games and trying to claw their way back. And that'll maybe hopefully make us feel better and maybe give us a false sense of,
1: of this thing actually working. Hey Randy, did you send uh, Paul DeYoung a text yesterday for his birthday? I did. Shout out Paul DeYoung. He
2: said, "He said I got you, bro. Let me get over my virus, and then I got you."
0: Yeah, I was like, "Hey man, anytime you want to start like hitting the baseball, that'd be cool too."
2: <laughs> he said, uh, "Okay, bro, I got yeah. you." Yeah,
0: he was like, "Oh, you want me to break the Big Mac sign again?" I right, bet. Gotcha. All
2: right, shifting gears, NBA. So we. Uh, we need to just get over it. We didn't start the way that we wanted to. So let's not focus so much on the Grizz right now. First impressions. You're right. Some of us. So let's not focus on the Grizz first impressions. Let's look at it globally as a whole. Jim, first impressions of those first three games
1: of the NBA restart. The NBA is absolutely winning on all fronts. Having, games come down to the final shot right out the gate, having multiple games go to overtime, having the eight seed in the West just be entertaining. I mean, you couldn't have asked for more. The players getting to speak up on the things that they believe in and then the bubble and no one, you know, testing positive. The NBA is absolutely winning while we're talking about MLB is failing. Yeah, I, I, I think
2: that first game – really set the stage for the season like they couldn't have picked two better teams to open up the season they couldn't pick the, a better finish and a better game like that that was that was good to watch and even like for the majority of the games that I like watched they've all been good games i mean there's been some ugly points uh here and there but most of the games have been close they've been competitive there's been swings back and forth so you know, Randy, what what are your first impressions of those first few games?
0: Uh, well, first of all, the NBA is doing it right as far as the bubble. You know, having 344 players and having zero positive tests is just further proof. But um, I can't wait until the NBA players settle down and stop treating this like an All Star game and start playing some defense. Though, um, what we're seeing is high level offense, running, gunning. I love all that. But, I mean, when you get down to it, this is just an eight-game mini stretch. They're treating it a little bit like the preseason where nobody really cares until there's about five, six minutes to go in the game. Uh, the energy's just not there, and that's been especially true um, for the Grizzlies. And, you know, all the games I've watched, really, the defense has been lackadaisical. Um, and I just think what's been astonishing to me is that the ratings have been so trash for the NBA. Like, I mean, I would have thought after four or five months of everybody being starved to see live sports, the NBA ratings have been awful compared to what they thought.
1: I think, wh- why do you think that is, Joe? I mean, I just think it's early. I think once we get past this eight game stretch and we actually get into playoffs, but there is the counterpart to them, you know, speaking their voices actively and taking a knee. There are some people that that obviously doesn't sit well with, but here's what I would say to them. If you did not let these players have a voice, they wouldn't be playing period, so um you can either have that and basketball or you could not have it at all.
0: Jim, something you touched on the other day, and I totally agree when you're watching the games it's it's like a a lot of the views, the camera views because of the way they're trying to drown out where the you know where those fake fans are. it looks like two k but the bad angle of two k so some mm-hmm. of the camera angles are kind of sucking, and um it looks more video game like especially. You know, DB mentioned the virtual fans. I hate that. I, I it, It's distracting, and it looks because it's it's all blurry, but I'm not, like, get off my lawn guy. I'm cool with it. It's a way for them to interact, but I don't like the visual of it.
1: It's, it's cooler than the cardboard cutouts, which I wanted to say earlier um, or ask you, Randy, you know, because the Cardinals didn't have them. Would you rather have empty seats or would you rather have the cutouts?
0: Bring me empty seats all day. Or you can do and – I'm not hating University of Memphis, any of my guys that work there. Don't hate. Now, don't be mad at me. But uh, what they did a long time ago was they tarped huge parts to the end zone. There's no way that if you can sell all of this advertising on the sidelines of the NBA, on all those monitor boards, that you couldn't sell advertising on a big tarp. You know, whether it was FedEx or whoever, if it was, you know, I don't care what it is, but somebody would buy that. It's a way to monetize covering up those seats.
2: Yeah, I I think – I mentioned this to Jim, as far as baseball goes, why don't the players who have all these charities put their charities in a seat? And if a foul ball hits their seat or hits their section, like they donate X amount of money to that charity, or they get sponsors to sponsor their charity and they donate money or, you know, have a person buy the seat for a discounted price and win a prize or money or even just get a ball like if Jim Cross bought seats 3 in row 12 of section 100 and a home run was hit out there and it hit his seat like he might get that ball and maybe tickets for a future game like i think stuff like that would be pretty interesting it would give people a reason to at least tune in and watch um but i i I'm not gonna fault the camera angles in NBA. I'm not gonna fault the the board with the digital fans. That's an attempt to try something new in an in a time in a a, a time where they can. Never would they be able to do this in a regular season. So, like, let's think outside the box. Let's. Let's throw out every possible scenario and and see what sticks. And who knows, maybe some of these things they'll be able to take with them, you know, when we return full go. Um, Some of it, maybe not. But I mean, at least it's an attempt. It's better than nothing. So I will always tip my hat to those that are trying and putting forth the effort. And I think
0: the NBA is doing a, a, a great job with that. You so, said that about taking them with you. I think that you're right. I think that now that we've seen that virtual fan thing, that's 100% going to stay, I, I believe, because you're going to have people that can't make games or can't afford games It's probably a cheaper option. I 100% bet that that's going to stay. And and why not? It's another revenue stream for the NBA, right? If yeah.
2: you're, if If you're a supporter of black rights and you want to make things equitable for low-income families,
1: why not give them an option like that? Like yeah, just, abs- just abs- an idea. Yeah, absolutely. But I will say one thing that we didn't talk. We we're talking about the virtual fans in regards to the sound, the very thing that you talked about in baseball, Daniel, with you love hearing uh, you have someone like my wife who the basketball game was like, uh, you know, chalk on a chalkboard screeching because of the shoes because it's so quiet in the gym. And I noticed it, it doesn't bother me, but to somebody who that may bother, they are pretty squeaky uh, noticeably without any kind of music.
2: Yeah. If you're a player or you've played for a while, like a lot of those little nuances, you kind of zone out because you just, it's inherently ingrained in your brain and, and you just, you just learn that that's part of it. And it's kind of like white noise after a while, but. Like someone who is not used to that and they start watching and they hear that I could see how it could be a distraction. Um, speaking of distractions, guys, I, I don't know. The Grizz are, are now winless and we are, are, are fading fast. I asked both of you this morning, you know, through a text, I said, you know, is this a must-win game for the Pelicans? And both of you agreed. And then my follow-up to that was, is this a must-win for the Grizzlies? And both of you agreed. So, you know, jumping off script a little bit, Jim, why, what, what now? The Grizzlies lost this must-win game.
1: Now what? Well, here's the good news, right? Like, regardless of the, the bad that may have occurred in these three games and the losses you played three really tight games against good competition and that can only make you better. And you learn from your mistakes. So this young group is getting a lot of big time action with close games and they're going to learn how to close it out hopefully sooner than later. So you got to take the good from that. And the reality was they had a, they had a lead and you look at it, the Pelicans beat them, but they lost a couple. And so they helped you out in the beginning I think what's concerning to me is probably and the reason why I told you must win was the Spurs because that was the team we when we discussed it we had written off, right? And here they come doing Spurs type things and it makes you nervous.
0: We should have known better. We knew it. Yeah. You know, it's
2: how could we go against the the pop mentality and what they do in the playoffs or building towards the playoffs like in my eyes these eight games are playoffs for that eighth seed like it, it's every game matters so Randy I'll ask you where where are the Grizzlies at right now where like
0: after losing tonight now what so this one hurts more than the others I think because this is the team that you're supposed to be uh, you know, is like your rival, and this is not – this is like the third time in a row that they've kicked your ass. Really, we could talk about it being a close game, but it really wasn't. I mean, even though they would get – I think five or six times, they got it within two or three, and then the Pelicans would run off. I mean, we talked about it before. The difference between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies is Brandon Ingram, a shot maker, a guy that when you go give him the ball, he's going to go get you a bucket. And I feel like the Grizzlies have those guys – they're just not on that level of Brandon Ingram. They don't have that maturity level because he never looked shook by the moment. He never looked like he was out of sorts. He was playing within himself. He was hitting step back, you know, I mean, he might as well have taken a three. Brandon Clark was playing good defense. Shout out BC. But I think the Grizzlies, they don't, they don't have their, they don't know their identity. And I think for a young team, this time off really hurt them. And I think we're seeing it. They love each other. I have no doubt about that. They have good chemistry, but that's different than being on the court and having that on the court chemistry. Um, You know, you see it from guys, ISO guys, it doesn't matter as much. You're seeing that with Russ and Harden. It doesn't really matter so much because those guys are going to ISO and create off of what they do. The Grizzlies need ball movement, and they need that. You see the Spurs, they're doing ball movement, but those guys know where that guy's going to be, where he was, where he's thinking about going because they have that chemistry. The Grizzlies are so young. They just don't have it yet. So
2: one thing that I will say I like about these Grizzlies games is for the most part they're on earlier. So I get to catch. Shout out. Uh, I know. It's, they're not on at night,
0: that's for sure. Um, shout out, Miss Knight. Hey-oh.
1: But, hey, yeah. S- s- hold on. Before you go, since we're doing a shout-out segment, I've listened to two of the three games and watched one, and we had Eric Haseltine on here, obviously the guest, and he has just been absolutely phenomenal. So shout out to him.
0: Shout out to Eric, and, and shout out to the F the refs movement.
1: <laughs> I know that that's right.
2: Uh, he, he's been animated on them refs uh, the past few games. So um, it's probably a good thing. He's calling the games from Memphis because that's like, if he was in the arena, like, I think, you know, he mentioned it, like it would be tough for him and what he says. They might eject a, him. Maybe. I mean, they're they're giving everybody technicals. Why not? They throw him one.
0: Can we talk about that for a second? What in the in the time that there's no fans, even though they're pumping in some fake crowd noise, why are they teching everybody for any move? Like today, Brandon Ingram, he deserved that tech because he like did a demonstrative move. I get that, but in the Blazers game, they were giving text to everybody that said something or looked at somebody. It's ridiculous. Let these boys play.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a level of. Like, you got to know what's at stake. Like, there's a lot in the games that they're given text for where there's a lot at stake. So, don't take it personal and don't think that it's going to get out of hand. And so, I got to tech these guys early and continue doing it so that things don't get crazy. Like, I, I, I just – I don't know. Just keep the whistle in your pocket and, and chill out a little bit is, is my – my advice but Jim I'll I'll throw it to you you're the one who is the toughest on referees what do you think about the referees so
1: far I've not been a fan no matter what the game was the whistles have come late and more so I think they've even you know as much as Randy will argue that they can't determine the outcome of a game I was really bothered with how they handled the Boston Milwaukee game and I just I don't know It seems like they um, are not benefiting from this layover. It almost is like they're trying to get back in the swing of things. And maybe I should give them a little leniency for that because, I mean, they, just like the players, are trying to get back in the swing of it. But, I mean, I'm talking about late, late whistles. And then you said ticky-tack technicals, and it's no consistency because I forgot maybe one of y'all can remember who the game after the Grizzlies-Blazers was because I was reading Twitter and basically every Memphis media member was like, these guys are yelling at each other and doing all sorts of stuff and not one technical was called.
2: Yeah, it, there needs to be some consistency there, and maybe it's just the referees are knocking the rust off too. I, I don't know. Um, but but going, going back to the, the finish, we got five games left of these eight regular season games. What is our outlook? Let's hold off on that eighth seed in the West and let's just talk about, let's, let's talk about the, the East first. So what Jim talk to me about the East are, are we going to finish where we're at currently, or is there going to be some more shakeups to come or is, is where we're
1: at, where we're going to be? I believe where we're at is where we're going to be. I think, the biggest surprise to me and you know talking to you guys earlier specifically randy i did not expect the raptors to come out firing on all cylinders like this right they have been phenomenal so they're going to hold on to their spot obviously milwaukee's got the one locked up Boston's not going to wear the three so any kind of shakeups i thought we might have the only one that i mean i'm looking at the standings right now might be that four or five because indiana's won all their games so far so um it really doesn't matter because the four or five play each other and you're not playing anywhere but the same place. So I guess uh, the, so the answer would be no then because that's the only one I see. Yeah, I mean, I,
2: I don't foresee there being anything crazy happening. Uh, I don't think – the games for these guys as we go, as we get closer to the, that eighth game are going to mean less and less. So let me so, ask you,
1: since you said don't – you didn't want to talk too much about it, but, was, I mean, the last two games for the Grizzlies are those Bucks and are those Celtics. I mean, I really think they're going to benefit from that. Well, I, yeah, I, absolutely.
2: I don't. I, I think there's going to be a level of, you know, management of minutes for a lot of players in those those games. But, here, I mean, here's the bottom line. If the Grizzlies don't go out and play, they will get beat. They're not good enough to not play well and beat the the part of the A team and all of the B B rotation. They're just not. But what I will say is they usually play to the caliber that they need to play based on how important the game is. Um, tonight the, is a prime example. There were many times where they could have just, you know, succumbed, but they didn't. They kept fighting. They kept, you know, clawing back. And there was a time where they got up by one and then gave it all away, which you could argue that's youth and inexperience. But you could also argue that we had breakdowns defensively and we missed shots and we made bad, bad mistakes that we maybe don't normally make or didn't make for a while you know and I I was curious about this before we go into the west I, I always wondered if you know you guys see more of the Grizzlies I see a lot of the box scores and read a little bit about it you know up until this point because I can actually get a chance to watch the games because I'm I'm awake I'm up and it's it's nice but Prior to this, were all of their games similar to what we're seeing now, or were they were they more crisp or were they were they better, Randy?
0: Oh no, they were a lot of like this helter skelter. Um, I think that and it's simplifying it a lot, but the tale of two Dylans, right? Dylan and Villain, uh, they go <laughs> as he goes. When there was a stat earlier in the year, they were like twenty-one and one when he scored more than twenty points. Um, I think what you've seen so far in the bubble is is villain. It's not it's not good. He, you know, head down, um, going straight into the defender, you know, two or three of them and forcing things. Has a fast break where he forces. And he's, I'm not blaming He's not the only one. Uh, Ja's got to be better. But Dylan is not a rookie. You know, he just got paid. It's, it's time to step up and be a leader of that team. Um, I know that Ja is the point guard. He's supposed to be the leader. But, I mean, the kid is barely out of college. They have to look to Dylan, and I think that a lot – it has been like this, where you really see their youth, to me, is on the defensive side, or my pet peeve of watching any basketball game is off of a made basket, a quick inbounds for an open three or a transition bucket. They got outscored 23-7 to in transition points off a made bucket tonight. That's ridiculous. And that, that to me, 100% put that on Taylor Jenkins. He's got to do better. Let's go. I mean –
2: it goes back to, you know, basketball 101. You make a shot. Let's get back down the court and let's set up. Like, just set up. And these guys are good. Like, they're going to exploit. Like, when you're not getting back, they're going to be there.
0: I yeah, mean, there nobody was, cares if you make a bucket. They're not sitting there like, damn, they made one.
2: I mean, there was a pass tonight to Zion – down the court where granted he's a freak athlete but at no point should he have been down there in order to just get a alley-oop dunk like it's put somebody down there with him and why is it that there's a mismatch that far down the court like how is that possible but i'm with you you know i'm I was frustrated, but now I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it down a little bit because you kind of talked me off the ledge of, of of where I was. If if this is just a continuation of young players continuing to try to get better, then that that's fine. I I, I can handle that. I just got to know that going in. Would well, DB don't...
0: look Go at ahead. it like this? When this season started, we talked about this already. Who if they if I told you DB. At the end of the year, we're going to be in a race for the eight seed with this team, with this Grizzlies team, with a rookie, with a second-year guy as your two best players, and a guy that's helter-skelter, a brand-new coach, a brand-new coaching staff. What I mean, you would have taken it all day long, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So that's what we're seeing. It's hard, as especially, you know, as competitors like the three of us are, and these guys, they, they're they on a whole other level. They're not listening to, oh, well, we got here, we're happy. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying these guys are so far ahead of the curve from where they should be because everybody was talking rebuild. Grizzlies are going to be the worst team in the league, in the West. It's tough. They're never going to do it. And all they've done is prove everybody wrong all year. And this is another chance. This is a chance for everybody to gather around, you know, social distance, but have an inside meeting and say, hey, guys, what are we going to do? Are we gonna, Are we going to get here and be happy with that? And let this get, let this three and a half, four and a half game slip, or are we going to go out there and play the ball that we know we can and win some games? And I think they will win some games, and I think we are going to see that play-in series. But remember, they got to get beat twice, not just once. Wow, well, they've been beat three in a row. Not to mention
2: the,
1: the two exhibition games. Well, you know who you guys have to root for tomorrow night, right? Oh, tell me the Rockets. I'm out for tomorrow. The Rockets play the
2: Blazers, fellows. Well, that'll be the night where they suck. Watch. Well, history, Man, history says. Man, Damian loves yeah.
0: playing Russell Westbrook.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Randy will tell you. History says. So let's 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 go there. Western Conference. Where where are we finishing,
1: Jim? I'll start with you. Where how does it play out? One through eight. You know. Baseball predictions so far aren't looking good for me, but the Western Conference is on point. I said Houston would move up to the four spot. They've already done it within two games. You knew that the Lakers and the Clippers were going to be where they're at. And obviously, there's still six more games for that Houston thing to go out the window. But, um, yeah, I think everything's kind of shuffling down the way you expected it to be. Um, the Nuggets, I mean, could catch the, the Clippers, you know, but I think if – You know, it comes down to it. The Clippers will turn it up. Plus, they get, you know, Sweet Lou back and Harrell and whatnot. Dallas is locked in at the seven. So, the real question really just comes down to the four, five, and six. And right now, they've shuffled exactly like I thought they would because the Rockets have looked amazing. So, where do you think the Rockets finish? Or where do you want them to finish? Uh, I want it to end today. I, I need somebody to snap their fingers because I want every bit of the jazz, you know, I was messing with Randy earlier about the Thunder, but the reality is they played each other three times this year, and the Thunder beat them all three. Billy Donovan does know Westbrook, and so that isn't ideal. I'll take it over, you know, some of the other matchups, but I would love for Houston to just hold on to that four and Utah be who they're playing.
2: So if if they don't hold on to the four and they – let's say they
1: catch the Nuggets – and the three, are you going to be disappointed about that? Not at all because I've watched what they've had to do because Jokic is for as great as he is and an elite player. Has, he has trouble being on the court because essentially it, it comes to where he ends up having to guard Westbrook. So like last night, Giannis was guarding Westbrook and you're talking about an elite defender. And when they've played like you know maybe the Lakers, you get Anthony Davis. Those guys are a lot more athletic bigs. And so they're able to defend, but when you get caught up with a center who's, you know, not as, not as versatile like that, it's very problematic. So I'll take the Nuggets matchup, but I'd be remiss, you know, if I didn't bring up the Westbrooks averaging 31-10-7 in these first two games on, you ready, Randy, 52% shooting. Wow, that's, that's unbelievable. I mean,
2: I, I'm shocked that James Harden lets them shoot that much. <laughs> but so talk to me about the eight. Do the Grizzlies finish there, Jim? Or are they gonna be in a play in game with somebody? If so, who's that gonna be?
1: I mean, they're gonna be there. That's gonna be a play-in game. The question was always who, right? And you know, in about before this podcast is over, I'll really be able to tell you about the Spurs because they're in a two-point game with the Sixers with two minutes left. And if they win that game, they are breathing all over them. You know, and that's a – if they get in a three-game set with them, yeah, they only got to win one. But I think if I asked y'all to, historically, what team has been a thorn in your side? Yeah, you knocked them out of the playoffs the one year. But, I mean, I think if you look, they've probably historically knocked the Grizzlies out more than any other team. And, you know, we're talking about Popovich. And while we're talking about the West, I also wanted to say, Randy and Daniel, that I watched that Lakers-Clippers game. And I'll be honest with you guys, the Clippers, like I said, were missing Harrell and Lou and still almost had that game. If you ask me right now, I honestly think the Lakers can't beat them because, you know, LeBron had kind of an off game, but Anthony Davis was magnificent. And I just just don't know when they have their full roster how the Lakers could beat them in a seven-game set.
2: So, Randy, talk to me about – the West, how do the Grizz finish? And does it, does any, anybody shake up in the top seven
0: seeds? No, I think the seven is going to be pretty much chalk. I think that you're going to see it. I mean, if you see one or two teams switch, you know, like the Rockets moving to the four, Jazz moving down, I wouldn't be surprised if they finish like that or if they finish like they started. I do think the Grizzlies are going to finish in the eighth seed. And, man, if they play the Spurs, Ooh, wrap it up, put a bow on, it's over. Popovich, you don't ever want to play that dude in the playoffs or when it matters because he does have the Grizzlies number. It's almost like the the game that me and Jim were at, you know, 10 years ago when they did, when Zebo just went berserk and beat them boys, he took that personal and he was like, these motherfuckers ain't never beat me again. And in a series, they they haven't. It's It's been a lopsided. I've seen sweeps and Four ones. I, that's the one I don't want. Give me the Blazers. Give me the Pelicans. Anybody but the Spurs in the play-in game.
2: Yeah, I I'm looking at the Blazers' schedule right now, and it's it's a the next three games are not are not going to be fun for them. And even the Sixers,
0: y'all keep talking with the Sixers. They're not good.
2: But you're looking at you're looking at Houston, Denver.
1: You, you need LA, to be rooting for the Sixers right now. And, home.
0: So they're too busy fighting each other. They're not worried about winning no basketball games.
1: It'll,
2: it'll be interesting. I'm, I mean, I'm going to root for, for my team regardless. So I, I think they get the eight seed. I think the way the Spurs are playing and the coaching that goes with the, they're, they're going to end up playing them in that play in game. And, um, you know, I, my, my money is, is is still on the Grizzlies, so I got to support that that dream. So, we're going to ride the Grizz as long as we can, right, Jim?
1: Absolutely. Hey, hey Randy, yeah. let me ask you uh, at the top of the West. I mean, did you get to watch that Lakers-Clippers game?
0: Oh, yeah, I did. And, you know, it's it's hard for me. I hear what you're saying, and I don't even disagree. But it's hard for me when I say, okay, LeBron and Anthony Davis can't win a seven games that's that's impossible for me to say I do agree they're deeper I mean when you talk about Pat Bev Sweet Lou Montrez Harrell I mean they Reggie Austin Jackson Rivers, now we Reggie didn't even Jack- realize yeah all those guys I mean they're deeper but I think at the end of the day there's only one ball and there's only really two to three guys they want with that ball and that's going to be Sweet Lou that's that's you know obviously PG 13 and Kawhi and the matchups are going to be intense. I think that if you – it's it's all – that they have an X factor. So, if Kuzma plays well, he can neutralize some of those guys. He He's the talent. He's quite not quite there, and it's helter-skelter, and he's not always consistent. But one thing I wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about, which I thought was ironic, and maybe ironic is a bad term, uh, as much social activist as Greg Popovich has been, what do you guys make of the fact that he did not kneel for the anthem?
2: I think – does it show a level of not being equals with your team? Yes. But what I will say is whether you kneel or not shouldn't signify your belief in what's right. Totally agree. So I just
0: thought it being any other coach would have been fine, but being Popovich, that struck me.
1: Well, since we went there, I'm going to tell you Randy had to uh, – reel me back in daniel you actually didn't know about this this was a side conversation but i made the mistake of reading down facebook and twitter after jonathan isaac took his uh or towards acl and you know he was the one that didn't take the knee or wear the black lives matter shirt and like randy said you can't get emotional over what people you don't know say or anybody says for that matter um because they don't have an outcome in my life. But I let it piss me off so bad because this young kid didn't do anything wrong. He just stuck with what he believed. And people were saying he got what he deserved, karma for not taking any, didn't even bash him for his faith and said his God didn't even take care of him. And I thought, what is wrong with people, man? The dude, why can't why can't he just stand up because that's what he believes?
2: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it's it's a movement of change. And it, you kneeling or not kneeling does, in my opinion, it doesn't do anything for the actual change. It just shows your support for a movement, but it doesn't mean that you don't support it if you don't kneel. So, I mean, it's a personal preference. That's what's great about this country is that we get to choose those things. So, you know, it's it's just interesting like we're we're in a really crazy time and and i'm really you know we'll we'll see how it plays out i mean we're gonna probably have more of these conversations as you know we go through the playoffs as baseball continues to get moving and then when it's really going to spark up is when football starts you know so uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye out on, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. But
1: guys, guys something just hit me. Something just hit me when we were st- we were talking about the movement. Man, we should all feel bad about this. We talked about the excitement that is in baseball so far. Man, how did we not talk about that Mookie Betts throw? Uh, well, I was I was gonna
2: bring that up during my around the horn segment, but I guess we'll 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 go ahead and, and we'll hit that now. So as as a baseball coach, I've seen some really good plays, but I have never seen that play ever. Um, filling the ball in the, in the right field corner, turning, facing the outfield wall, throwing the ball on a line to third base to get a runner. Like there's only one other play that sticks out in my head, and that's Bo Jackson throwing from the warning track home. Um, but, yeah, that was an unbelievable play. And I was skeptical on Mookie Betts getting his big contract, but now I'm kind of okay with it.
0: One throw did that for you?
2: Yeah, one throw. throw yeah. That throw, yeah. That throw, man, that's – there's 97 to 98% of players can't make that throw. He's in the 2% of the best players that can
1: here's what i would say we we want people to be attracted to baseball right they want people to be attracted to baseball obviously i saw people sharing that like on social media and facebook who i know don't even watch baseball because they found it phenomenal so things like that will get people to pay attention absolutely
2: i mean you your star that's why they want those guys playing your stars bring eyes and when your stars do stuff like that like that's It it spreads.
1: It's just like right now, would you not want to tune in to Aaron Judge? I mean, he's going to homer for you every game, right? I mean, who's to say he can't average a
0: homer a a game? I mean. I saw a guy you guys know in slow pitch softball make that throw. His name was Chris Rogers. The dude was looking away. It's only a 300-foot field, right? But he grabs the ball off the fence and turns around and throws it, like, so effortlessly – and he didn't even one hop home plate. It was like, bam, and I was like, "Holy!" And this was when we were like twenty six, twenty seven. I was like, "Yeah."
2: Look, hey, his throw was incredible. Yeah, he's he's still got it. Chris Rogers still doing that thing. Good for him.
0: He could throw the ball for show. Sure.
2: So let's let's spice it up a little bit, guys. Let's have a little fun. We're gonna we're gonna do a little debates segment here. It's. It's going to be very structured and you got to follow the rules, Jim. So here we go. So the way this will work is I'm going to give you guys a topic and Randy, you'll be the first to go. You'll either be for it or against it. You'll have a chance for opening arguments. You'll get, I'll give you a minute, Jim. I'll give you a chance for opening arguments a minute. You'll get to come back and defend Randy for a minute, Jim. You'll get another minute to defend if you need it, and then we'll have closing arguments from both of you guys, and we'll we'll wrap it up, and we'll we'll see what the audience wants to say about the winner. So and you that guys feel a lot. It feels good. like a lot. That like it, a lot. Just, just I already just forgot the rest. I, I got you. I got you on this. So here's the topic. The title tonight was Magic City Marlins. And I, I told you guys in the intro we were going to come back to Lou Williams. So, Lou Williams decided he wanted to leave the bubble. He wanted to hit his, his spot, the Magic City Strip Club. But not only did he get a couple dances, he decided he's going to get his signature hot wings that they make there, the 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 the, the Lou Lemon Pepper naked guys. So, so it got me thinking, is, is it okay to eat at a strip club? And Randy, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with you. I'm gonna give you a minute to either agree or disagree with
0: that statement. So your minute starts now. All right, listen. If we're 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 all from Memphis, right? If we're talking about eating in the Gold Club or the Pony, I'm saying hell no. <laughs> but if you're in Atlanta and you're in Magic City, baby, and you're wanting a couple of little Lou Will lemon pepper, I say it's all gravy, baby. Get you go in there. You're you're out of the bubble. You you know you're dealing with the death in the family. Go in there, get you some wings. All of a sudden, your favorite dancer comes up and's like, "What's up, sweet Lou? You want to get a dance?" And you're like, "Shit, I still gotta put you through college, baby. Let's go." I'm all for it. Let's let them have the dance. Let him have his wings. My only question, was he eating wings while she was dancing, and was she six feet apart? That's the only question I got for you, DB.
2: (laughs) That would be the ultimate baller move to eat your wings while getting in a lap dance and not giving a what about social distancing right now. All right, Jim, I'll give you one minute for your opening
1: arguments. Go. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't eat wings, so – that puts me out on that. Second, I don't go to strip clubs because I think it's uh, tasteless. No, I'm just kidding. But for real, like, I just can't fathom eating, no matter if it's structured. I'm looking at the menu right here. Yeah, they have a full restaurant, and I get it. It's It's kind of like a two-for-one deal. You actually have a full restaurant and you have a strip club. I just can't imagine being somewhere – I mean – I don't know, do you walk around your house naked eating food? No, like... Hell yes! <laughs> I, I, I don't. So, I mean, you know, that's that's Randy's thing. Hey, if they're eating breakfast over there naked, then, you know, so be it.
0: Only before noon. You know how I am with breakfast.
2: <laughs> I I learned something new about you. You don't eat wings. Uh, sh- I, man, I don't... Then, then what do you do when you go and you watch these
1: games at sports bars? No, I actually... I mean, I'm basically like a little kid. I'll eat the boneless honey barbecue like when I go to Buffalo Wild Wings. That's like the extent of it. So I'm I'm basically – me and my son, we eat the same menu.
0: You know, I mean, he's seven, so he gets a pass.
1: Yeah, like uh,
2: he's okay. So we had open arguments. Randy stood on the ground that it's, it's all good to go um, be a baller about it, do your thing, and be you. Jim was against it. He took the moral high ground about, you know, it's, he doesn't eat wings. He's not a strip club guy. Just that's, that's just not him. Okay. Um, So I give you a minute, Randy in, in defense. So talk to me about why Jim is wrong.
0: Well, first of all, we learned that Jim only eats boneless wings. And if that ain't the most white boy shit I ever heard in my life, (laughs) I'm going to tell you something right now. Miss Knight would be disappointed. I think we had wings every day for lunch. Shout out, Miss Knight. But let me tell you another thing. If you don't walk around your house naked eating a midnight snack, I mean, what are you doing with your life? You don't eat wings. You don't eat naked. I mean, and now you don't go to strip clubs. They got to eat too. It's a pandemic. I mean, don't take cash. Can't throw dollars, but get cash at PayPal. Do whatever you got to do. They'll at you, you know, do what you – hey, I'm telling you right now, they still got to eat. They ain't, get, they ain't out here getting no nine-to-five, Jim Bob. You got to go out there and support these women, man.
2: Wow. He, he just brought it, Jim. He just brought it. All right. What, what do you have to defend your
1: stance? Why is Randy wrong? Well, one of the unique things that we have in common on this show is that we're all fathers of daughters. And how would you guys feel if not only you were going to the strip club But I'm just thinking about talking to my daughter and telling her, yeah, it's okay, sweetie, because I was there for the wings. And there's no way that she would ever believe that. And so dad would be a pervert. And then fast forward 10 years down the road where maybe things took a wrong turn. And it's okay that she works there because, hey, her dad said it was okay. Hell, you can even eat there. So, you know, as fathers of daughters, y'all should just, I mean, Y'all should feel bad about yourselves for arguing this the other way. I want to see y'all at Bible study tomorrow night. And just, I mean, I pray for you guys. Hey, I, I
2: appreciate those prayers. But once again, he, he's taking the moral high ground. He's tapping into the 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 father, you know, side of things. Like, I get it. I, I get it. I got one question, Jim. Have you taken your daughter to Hooters? Yes. <laughs> okay. So is that like when, when did you, when did you start taking like, what age was she when You're you about were to like, lose me on this one? I'm going to, I'm going to take my I mean, daughter
1: to Hooters. She's been from, I don't know, she's been at least every year since I've had her. So forever. Okay. I
2: was just, I was just curious, you know, because like at, at what point is, the it okay to go to
1: hooters but it's not okay to eat at the strip club here here's what i know that you know it is came out that lou wasn't just there for the wings when i go to hooters i legitimately go there to watch sports and eat food and you know but not I wings dis-
0: though of course
1: yeah not wings and this is going to take me off my whole bible study route but i also go there because the alcohol is cheap but that's a whole new thing
2: <laughs> <laughs> the, the moral there goes the moral high ground All right, Randy, you got closing arguments. Why should people that are tuning in say you win this argument and this debate?
0: Well, listen, we're asking these NBA players to go down and quarantine away from their families for a long, long, long time uh, for our entertainment. And while they understand the sacrifice, and we're not talking about real sacrifice, losing lives, we are asking them to go away for months at a time. So Sweet Lou had a death in the family, came back to Atlanta, saw an opportunity. When he came back, he was already going to have to quarantine for a few days. He did extend it, and it cost him 150 k So, I'm saying the guy's got the money. Uh, so, if he wanted to go get the Magic City Miracle Wings, you know, I'm all for it. And I think Lou, being a free country, everybody's kind of complaining about whether we free or not, all Sweet Lou did was exercise his right to go and get some free wings and then support his local dancer. Support your local dancer. And, by the way, DB, shout-out to Hooters, man. My, look, it's paid a lot of bills in my house. Hey, I have, I have no no flack against
2: Hooters. I was just hey, Lee, when you listen
0: to this, remember, there was DB that compared Hooters to strippers.
2: I wasn't comparing the two. I was simply making the connection it, that – I mean, it sounded close. <laughs> you, you take your daughter to Hooters, which could be misconstrued by your daughter as the same equivalent at that age to a strip club. So – but do I condone taking your kid to Hooters? Absolutely. Do I condone taking your kid to the strip club? Absolutely not. So, not even Magic City? Man. Ooh, Magic City. i have to think hard on that one. Long and hard on that one.
0: What if you got curbside, sir? You like pipping long and hard? or like?
2: <laughs> what What I thought was funny is you were like, you know – he just wanted to go down there and eat. (laughs) I was was like, yep, he did." did. All right, Jim,
1: closing arguments. Why should the audience
2: say that you won this debate?
1: Okay, so let's talk about irresponsibility first. James Harden, who is known to be at a strip club basically every night of his life when he's not playing basketball, has not left the bubble to go to Magic City. So if he is staying dedicated to his team and the bubble, then so can Lou. I don't care if there's a death in the family. And sticking with Rockets players, what would Russell Westbrook do? He would go home and hang out with his kids just like I would, and I would tell them that it's unacceptable to go to the strip club and order food there. And that's that.
2: Wow. Wow. I, I feel like, you know, this This debate is, is getting us prepared for our debate. Um, with those other podcasters next month. So thank you guys for being good sports. I appreciate that. It was fun to hear you guys takes on really just a, a silly topic. So if you are listening and you want to hear more of these debates between Jim and Randy, which like I, I personally do because they I'm trying to push them to get in these heated debates that you guys don't get to see through text. So I feel like we're going to get it one day. I'm just kind of, scratching the surface so just just hang in there i feel like there's gonna be a blow up one day and it's gonna
1: be awesome hey guys i wish i had some like breaking news music but milton for the sixers hit a game-winning three to beat the spurs go on then milton shout out
0: to the 76ers
2: (laughs) nice all right around the horn guys let's let's wrap these this up um Jim, I'll start with you. What's one thing the audience needs to know before we go?
1: You know, we've really been hitting on some serious issues when we get to the Around the Horn segment. And I really wanted to talk about something that I believe that we've all talked about, we are passionate about. But specifically, my wife has really been passionate about and she's been throwing me a lot of statistics and really talking to me about the things that are going on in this country with human trafficking. And uh, I'm not going to spend all day on it. I'm going to throw a a few quick things out there. And I actually decided to go away from the nationwide statistics or worldwide and just keep it within us three guys and use state by state that we live in. So in Mississippi, uh, last year was reported uh, 227 victims identified, uh, 78 traffickers identified, um, 17 businesses who condoned it. In Tennessee, there was 353 victims, 118 traffickers identified, 40 businesses. And then for Florida, obviously much larger state, so this isn't saying nothing bad about Florida, but just giving an idea because that's your home, Daniel. 1,771 victims identified, 506 uh, traffickers identified, and 306 trafficking business. Um, This is a disgusting thing that is going on in this world and in our country. And I think the thing that bothered me most, Randy, we've had a lot of discussions about fostering and adopting and everything else. And, you know, with these kids and, you know, we talked a lot when I was fostering Slade and the idea of the amount of kids that come from that specifically between 60 and 70% of trafficked children came from child social services or the foster care system. So a broken system that just, it really shows, just I mean how bad it is, how sick it is. And so we gotta protect our children. We gotta protect our women. If this is something that anyone's interested in, they can go to the Polaris Project, A21, Thorn, Tim Tebow Foundation. Um, a lot of good organizations who are putting things together, who are trying to put it into this. I know it's gonna be something that's overwhelming task, but nevertheless, every little thing counts. There's a hotline number, 1888-373-7888. So let's all try to be better. We've talked about all the different things, equality. We talked about suicide awareness. Let's also bring awareness to what's going on with human trafficking in this country.
2: Absolutely. Well, well said, man. And it just, it, it breaks your heart to hear those statistics. But it, you know, when I look at it, it breaks my heart even more to know that there's people out there that haven't been identified. So, you know, if you see anything, if you know something, if you see something, say something, make the phone call, do what you got to do, read up, be knowledgeable, and just, you know, just protect yourself. So, Randy, throw it over to you. What's one
0: thing the audience needs to know before we go? Bob and Doug are home, guys. The NASA astronauts splash down. And uh, they've splashed down the Gulf for the first time in 59 years using that landing. And what's been um, crazy to watch for me is obviously you guys know, I'm a huge Elon Musk fan. SpaceX is, uh, you know, kind of the owner, they kind of pioneer this. So NASA has now become the customer uh, rather than being owning all this and owning the flight and owning them stuff. So SpaceX and Boeing have been selected to be the two companies that commandeer, pioneer these flights to space. And they have, Uh, SpaceX won the right to do the first one. Uh, And now it's just a new wave of NASA. And now they're have they going to get back onto the moon and they want to get to Mars. And seeing as how we have guys like Elon Musk and Boeing on it, I fully believe that that's something that we'll see in our lifetime. Um, So that's a pretty cool thing. And also, I say it every week, I'm going to say it again, Suicide Hotline, if there's anything you guys need to reach out, reach out to me, DB, or Jim. Or if you want to do it anonymously, one eight hundred two 273 Don't go at it alone. Reach out, get help. Yeah. Another well well said, man. And
2: can I, I I want to ask this, are these space flights that they're doing, are these like like science trips or are these like commercial space flights for people to buy a, a ticket and just go up into space and come back down.
0: So they went to the space station this time. And what was – so this was science, this was science right? They're, they're trying to discover new things and probably do some maintenance on the space station because we haven't been there in so long. But what the weird thing is that Bob and Doug were sleeping and the thing autonomously undocked from the space station and thrusted back into Earth's orbit. So imagine waking up, you, know, you go to sleep, you're in fucking outer space. You wake up, you're fucking crashing into the ocean. I mean, what, what a way, right? What a way to be alive. Bob and Doug, shout out to Bob and Doug. I bet you they had a teacher like we did, DB. Absolutely. You know, Bob, Bob and Doug may be the most
2: celebrated people who did absolutely nothing.
0: <laughs> Amen.
2: Like, they might have just sat in that thing and somebody else did all the work for them.
0: That is how it happened. But also, you know how they got woken up? Both of them were woken up with their kids FaceTime, and I'm saying, wake up, wake up, you can sleep in tomorrow. So, I mean, that shows you how far we've come, you know, when we got, you know, we've all seen, you know, the movies of Tom Hanks and Armageddon and all that. You know, the communication with space is a little dicey. Now we got fucking FaceTime and, hey, wake up, Dad, it's time for your breakfast. You got to eat your pill and, you know, go shit in the
1: air. Since you you brought up Tom Hanks and we're talking about space, the dude came on Jeff Calkins' show, the dude who always talks about things that we just don't understand or know about, but – in relation to the fact that we're going through all this quarantine stuff. You know, you don't see it in the movies or in the glam of the Apollo 11 astronauts, but after they touched down on the moon, when they got back, they had to quarantine, quarantine for 27 days before they got to be with anyone.
0: Well, how about this? That is true. Very good. How about this though? You guys remember when Barry Bonds was hitting all those home runs into the bay and all the kayakers were jumping on the balls and jumping into the water. That is what, these fucking idiots did when the SpaceX when they landed today or when they landed, they they like literally just boom converged. So what brought two things to my head. Number one, those are probably some wannabe ass reporters trying to get some story, trying to get the first picture. But the number two thing is where the hell was the Coast Guard or anybody, the Navy, somebody, NASA, SpaceX, <laughs> they I mean they didn't see this coming. I mean we got we got where's your rent of, Bob and Doug could have been hurt here, guys. <laughs>
2: We can, we can put the shuttle in space and bring it back, but we can't decide where it's going to land.
0: Well, we decided where it was going to land because everybody knew, but they just they all just ran to it on their little private-ass boats trying to get the first picture. I guess they wanted Bob and Doug to, like, jump on their yachts and maybe have a cold one. I don't know. Guys,
1: man, I, y'all dropped the ball. Y'all didn't let me know where they were landing. I could have been there, talked to them about getting on the podcast. Golly. What a missed opportunity. I thought you were our producer.
2: Well, I think next time we, 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 we get them while they're in space. I don't think they have anything more to do other than that. Do you think they get, they can get coronavirus in space? No way, bro. If the NBA can be in a bubble, then Bob and Doug are safe. And Bob and Doug are slowly becoming, you know, American heroes. They're not becoming DB. They all, they are? are. You're right. You're right. So for me the one thing I feel the audience needs to know before we go is today's Tom's big Tom's birthday. Tom Brady, happy birthday, brother. So we're looking forward to getting it going. Saw the guy throwing some passes in camp man. He looks good. He looks really good. Looks sharp, looks strong, looks fit. Like you know, he he he's bringing a ring home. Just just watch. It may not be this year because it'll probably be the Cowboys, but next year for sure. But also, what do you guys think about this? We had a wrestling episode. We talked sports. We talked football. But The Rock, The Rock and some partners bought the XFL for $15 million, which to me seems like a no-brainer. Like, let me throw this cash out there and let's see what we can do. I'm the rock, like everything I do is gold. So, Jim, I'll ask you, is is this something to be excited about or is this something
1: that we're not going to hear of again? I mean, I've not found anything that the rock's done not to be exciting. So, automatically, I'm all about it. And then from a wrestling standpoint, because I'm not in it like you, but from what I understand – They say The Rock has bailed Vince McMahon out multiple times, so it's just him doing his regular due diligence and doing it again.
2: I got you. Randy, what about you? Is this something to be
0: excited about? I'm excited just because it's The Rock. What's ironic, though, and it shouldn't be because they partner on a lot of stuff, can you guys imagine – well, you can't because me being the only divorcee on here, I don't see me and my ex-wife partnering on any big business adventures, and that's exactly what The Rock's doing, him and uh, Danny Garcia – partnering on this like they have on so many other things that's co-parenting at his finest right there <laughs> not only i mean look me and brooke get along great shout out to my ex-wife your great mom and everything but uh i don't want to go into business with you hey the rock's a business guy man he's got his tequila
2: he's got the fast and the furious franchise like he's he's running running things so i mean you watch
1: ballers right i mean he could do this there's
2: nothing
0: the rock can't
2: do Right. Absolutely. Like if if it wasn't for The Rock, who knows where wrestling would have been. I mean, Stone Cold
0: couldn't have done it by himself. He had to have somebody running with him. Do you guys ever watch Barstool Sports? They had the David Dave Portnoy did the pizza review with Stone Cold. And before he started he got the two beers and crushed them. It was y'all gotta go look it up. It was funny as shit. And and what was so funny was that Steve Austin's like jumping back. Stone Cold didn't want that. No, he do not want that smoke. He didn't want that beer on him. No. See, what's
2: what's funny is people are like, Stone Cold drinks so many beers, but in reality, like, yeah, no. it's really not a lot. He, like, spits it out, and it runs out of his mouth, and it's all <laughs> foam. And, you know, he might have one or two total beers the entire night on TV. But, you know, hey, it looks good. It's for the look. But. Guys, it's been fun. It was just us tonight. Uh, No guests. We'll be bringing the guests back next week. We had great times, great insight. I want to thank you guys. It was, you know, us doing what we love to do. It was pretty much, you know, going back to the reason why we started this podcast, just being able to chit chat and bullshit about, you know, the sports that are going on right now. But if you are a listener and you like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share this podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, and feedback is always welcome. And we're going to see everyone back for episode 18, where we'll be discussing the junior college grind. We're going to be joined by Alex Frillman of Holmes Community College and D- Dylan Hale of Northwest Community College for a frilly dilly time. Yes, I said it frilly dilly time. So it's definitely not, it's definitely going to be a must see, must hear, must everything episode with those guys. It'll be fun. Uh, this has been an in off the bench podcast as always strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We out.